Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, welcome everyone to the Distraction Reviews here on Fightful.com. It is Tuesday. We are here to talk about pro wrestlers versus zombies. If you're watching on the stream, you can see our special guest, Cody Knotts, director, writer, even starred in the film. With me as always, Joseph Holbert, the chubby chief. Joseph, how are you? I'm good. I sense, uh, you know, last night, Jeremy, as you kind of laid out the plans here as they come into fruition. It was an adventure for me. I sense this film was an adventure for our guest. I'm excited to explore it, all the sort of ups and downs of that roller coaster. So here we are. This is going to be a unique experience, I feel. As mentioned, director, writer, star of Pro Wrestlers vs. Zombies, Cody Knotts. Cody, how are you doing? We appreciate you joining us today. Oh, good. Nice to see you guys. Uh, we this came together last minute for everybody behind the scenes. I I shoot my shot on Twitter all the time trying to get the the wrestlers of the review or the wrestlers of the film on the show. And Matt Hardy, the jerk, turned me down. But then Cody jumped in and was like, I'd "Love to discuss this." I was like, "Great, the show's tomorrow." And here we are. So I'm very excited. You're actually our first like guest to do the show to discuss the film. So this is we're big oh, cool. stars now, and now you're a big star with us. You're a bigger star than us. <laughs> Yes. Well, uh, go ahead, Cody. Go ahead. Oh no, it was a fun film to make. I mean, they they were. I mean, as a wrestling fan as a kid, it was uh, a life dream to get to work with, especially Piper. Especially. Mm-hmm. That's where I was actually going to start. Like, lay out a little bit. Um, you know, in fear of making this a making of documentary podcast, I don't. You know, like you can you can go as far in or out as you want to, but like, kind of map out the the idea for this. Talk a little bit about your fandom and how that inspired the whole thing and just like how it came together effectively. I, I grew up a fan of pro wrestling, like most people in Western Pennsylvania. I loved it. Um, and I thought, well, why, why don't they have wrestlers fighting zombies doing the moves? And I went to school. I went to the same college as Shane Douglas and, and Cody Michaels. Um, so oddly enough for what I paid, I think, $80,000 in college education. I got contacts in pro wrestling. That's what I got out of it. So um, I actually didn't go to school when Shane was there. He graduated the year before I became in as a freshman. So he graduated 85. I came in at 86, 
what we all knew about him when he was, because that's when his career was taking off and uh, he threw down, you know, threw down the belt and all that. And uh, so um, I, I, fa- I met up with him and from Shane, we just went him and Cody Michaels uh, It's Mark Keen. And I, I know him as Mark. Um, and we just went wrestler to wrestler. And so actually it was supposed to be Mick Foley and we couldn't get a deal done with Mick. So we went to uh, Roddy, which I thought was actually a better choice. I'm uh, not, nothing against Mick, but it was, it was written originally for Mick Foley to do. And, and Hacksaw was going to be Terry Funk. And, and because the producers didn't do it SAG, Terry couldn't do it. So we, we, brought Hacksaw in at the last minute, which is why he kind of appears in the middle of the gym. And because we were already filming and we had to get some, we ha- we wanted to fill that role. And they said, Hey, we'll agree to Hack's terms, fly him in immediately. And he had an opening in the schedule. So you've got Hacksaw, Roddy Piper, Matt Hardy, Rebby Sky, Shane Douglas, you got Kurt Angle as well. How did the deal with uh, Kurt Angle come about? Um, we wanted a cameo to pump up the film and Kurt's from Pittsburgh and we were filming in Parkersburg and we're all, uh, all the people involved were from Pittsburgh area. So it was, it's easy, it's easier to get hold of Kurt in Pittsburgh because there lots of people know him. Um, and, and our one producer was able, actually it was easier for her to get hold of him because he had some tie in the giant eagle and her husband, her deceased husband owned a giant eagle. And so that, that's how they worked that out. Um, so that was actually the only wrestler we didn't get through Shane. Like Shane, it's funny because a lot of people make fun of Shane. Um, but in the world of wrestling, he's among wrestlers. He's highly respected both as a technical wrestler and the fact that he took a stand on the money and paid a price for it. Like he, he took on Vince and he took on these guys and said, you know, you got to pay us. You should be paying us royalties. You should be doing this. And for that, he got sent off into the wilderness. Um, but they know that privately. You know, they they know he was he he took the hit for that. No, that makes sense. I wanted to kind of before we get into like the the actual film, for someone who is very um, unaware of the kind of setup for such a project to this, like, is this? I assume this is immensely reliant on like the DVD selling, right? The, the name's been on the DVD. Is that the case for this kind of film? Like, like, like kind of explain that a little bit. Uh, financially, yeah, I mean, we we did a uh, distribution deal with Troma. I don't know what happened with that because I'm not, even though I'm listed as a producer, I'm not on the financial side as the, what the, they get back. So I have no idea what happened with the distributor, but the DVD sales were a big part of paying back some of the money. Uh, and there was still some people owed money, um, and and that's how they got paid back. Uh, so you know, DVDs sell more for wrestling fans than they do other. You know, streaming has really taken off in the last six years. So, um, you know, and so that's why we're looking at we're actually looking at making a, a new film with wrestlers fighting undead, Mama. and that would be tied into some sort of streaming service, most likely. I mean, that's the easiest way to do it, mm-hmm. um, and you know, what they do is they, they say, well, we'll, we'll give you this much money to make it. And then you have to make the budget where you make a profit within that budget. And you don't get the money initially. You got to finance it and all of that. So you still have to raise the money, finance it. And upon delivery, you get paid. <laughs> yeah. You see my little one. 
Yes, hi. Winston, you're on streaming. The second kid cameo we've had on here. It won't be the last thing. No, probably probably not. Definitely not. You can probably guess what he he's named Winston, so he you can guess who he's named after. I mean, Winston Churchill is pretty <laughs> Cool. Okay. My wife and I are really in the history. My wife works for the U.S. Military Academy. So um, that, that since we made the film, she actually appears in the film for about a hot second. And it was the day we first kissed. And so, um, you know, in many ways, wrestling's why this little guy's around. So. Is your wife a zombie in the film? No, she just in the opening scene when you see me and uh, – we're looking on whenever Shane uh, kills the wrestler. She's standing beside me. So she's in a green dress. She has no lines. Her voice appears in the film because she appears at her voice appears when they say, Oh my God, Billy's dead. That's her voice. Um, and then we had some ADR that we didn't bring one of the actresses for. And my wife's a pretty good mimic and she just mimicked the person's voice to, to uh, fill in. So, I mean, she has lines, but they're not hers. <laughs> so, I have to try it. There is yeah. a scene here that now that I've spoken to you about this, like, it adds a different I – would, I would view it differently. The scene where it's just you and Shane, and it's like, yeah. you know, he kind of – he's confronting the promoter. Like, I have a range of questions just from that scene, but now that I know there's an actual dynamic between you, it seems immensely much more fun. So – it was that like how fun was that experience? Because he is, I mean, obviously he's playing himself, but he is literally the wrestling character throughout, right? Like there's no there's yeah. no kind of gaps in between. So was that fun? It was, and it was ad he just did whatever Shane wanted to do in that scene. Like we had a general idea of what he was supposed to say, but then he just went like he does on the mic and just started talking. And I had to just play off of whatever he did, um, not knowing what was going to come out of his mouth. Like, you know, so people have asked this about him bringing up Vince McMahon about checks. And he said afterwards, Vince never bounced a check. And I'm like, it's satire. It's, you know, this is clearly a comedy. Don't worry about it. He was terrified because he's like, the one thing Vince McMahon always does is pay everybody. And, uh, you know, because he just started spouting off names. It was just, you know, he went in the character. And uh, so that that's, I mean, and Shane was in my, he was in my wife and I's wedding. So he and I are very close. Um, and, you know, that was weird, too, because people were getting autographs from him while we were at the like the wedding uh, the, the night before the rehearsal and like the rehearsal dinner. They're they're pulling him in a kitchen to give, get autographs from it. So it's really an odd experience. Um, but, yeah, you, you just never you never knew where he was going to go. So like when he slammed the table, I didn't know he was going to do that. I did by the second or third take, but. The first take, I'm like, okay, he's, he's going to hit things. Great. <laughs> so you mentioned that you grew up watching wrestling. You went to college and all you got out of it was contacts with wrestlers. Where does the concept of – it's a pretty straightforward concept. It's pro wrestlers versus zombies. If you watch this film, you know what you're getting. It's pro wrestlers versus zombies. Where did this idea come from? Well, I have a 21-year-old son from my first marriage, and he was really into wrestling and zombies. And I said, that's a great idea. Um, and, and I like the idea of not, ha- not having guns. Not, I, I love guns. I grew up with firearms, but I like the idea of having to get close to the zombies. Because otherwise, 
my my problem is I watch zombie films and I go, you know, like Walking Dead, and they have the tank sitting there. There is nothing a zombie can do to an M1 Abrams tank. I mean, my wife works for the U.S. Military Academy. You could have the technology of the movie Zulu from the 19th century and line up and fire guns and kill zombies. Like they're not they're not really that terrifying. Um, so I I thought wrestlers having to fight them would be cool. The moves. Um, and, we, and if we'd had more of a budget, we had the original script had popping heads, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, the in and the zombies going over top of them like uh, the the day after, like really fast zombies, and it just was a everything changed because of finances. You know, we we only had so much money and we only had so many days. Um, so, go ahead. I just, I just wanted—that's the one thing that I look. That's fun about this is Jeremy and I review a different film each week, right? And we can, we can kind of gauge what the idea was, what the identity of like the the, the uh, project was. But when I was watching this, my main question was just like, how close was this to your central idea? Like when you finally got the, the final product, how close of what we watched is what was in your mind going into it? Uh, about a tenth. <laughs> that's that's the only way I know how to describe it. Oh, it's frozen there for a second. Hopefully, uh, we get Cody back. I was gonna, I was gonna ask about the budget, and he mentioned that it wasn't what he was going to be, and he had the concept with popping heads and stuff. So, just kind of working around the entire budget because we, we watched the film. We, you can tell, you can tell kind of what the budget is from the film. Right, Joseph? <laughs> it is, I just, with these deals, it's like, you know, Cody I said, just, right? He said as much oh, as there that. We there we yeah, go. Yeah. I've got to be, I'm having to get them something to drink. And I'm and the problem <laughs> is I'm, it, my router has such, I'm out in the country. So we own a house in the, Sean tells a Matt Hardy story that his his Wi-Fi in certain parts of the house. That's what I'm talking. So yeah, I mean the film did not end up being what we had hoped it was, um, but not even close to the vision I had. So see, I'm getting cookies as I'm talking. <laughs> That's not the normal interview. My wife said, how are you going to do this tomorrow? I said, well, I'll just do it. Uh, That's what we do every week. We're just like, how are we doing this? And we're just like, eh, we'll show up and just talk and we'll figure it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm the primary person watching the kids. So that's, you know. And it's it's guesswork. When they, 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 you know, what does he want? Um. So fire away with the questions because I love answering them because it was, it, I mean, it was, it was hard raising the money. Uh, we've learned a lot about raising money for film since then. So we're more confident about making a better film with the right budget. Um, so what, what went into the direction of this film? Because you're directing a bunch of wrestlers who, who play themselves. Mm-hmm. So I, I imagine that, you know, kind of their character motivation and, and that kind of stuff is just, they're just wrestlers fighting zombies. So how much went into the direction of the, the wrestlers specifically? How PG is your show? Oh, you can curse. You can do, you can say whatever. You're fine. Okay. 
you have to be willing. You quickly learn why Vince McMahon is the way he is. You have to, you have to have, you have to make sure that everybody knows that you have the biggest schlong possible. <laughs> Otherwise, life is going to be hell. And, and that happens very quickly. Um, they will challenge authority. They, not all of them. I mean, Hacksaw, absolute fucking dream to work with. Uh, and and I, I love Matt Hardy, uh, but R- Roddy would test you. I loved Roddy. Uh, but oddly enough, the wrestlers were easier than some of the other people. But you have to have a certain authority. And that was not natural for me because I was coming off a divorce and it's not the way I never, I, I like to deal with people. I don't prefer to do that. But at a certain point, it was like, okay, you know, we're going to have a whip out the dick session and, 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 and see how that goes. Um, and I made tons of mistakes. I mean, I look back and I just, I just want to barf at things in the film. Um, but, and, 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 and I'm not one to blame other people. I'm like, okay, that's my fault. Like I, I could have done better. I could have managed that better. Um, and so that's been a, uh, but you know, Matt, I would work with Matt or Kurt, Kurt Angle, Kurt Angle. You could tell him to go stand on his head in the corner. He'd do it. Like he's that, like, he's like a soldier. Like, what do I need to do to make this work? And, you know, and, and just a dream to, to work with and, and direct. And so, you know, with most of the wrestlers, it was the side stuff. We didn't have enough, uh, support uh like enough pas enough uh, you know enough uh people in the production side like assistant directors um we had a seven person crew and only two people on camera like at at, at the set and everybody else behind it was five people behind the scenes moving stuff it was very very uh low on crew and and 13 days and every day is 16 to 18 hours so it was that was tough. You, so. you mentioned Roddy there, and like he to me is the highlight of this film. Roddy Piper is in like he's in rare form where you can never quite gather whether or not he's super inspired and, and into what he's doing, or he's just like having fun and, and making himself laugh. I don't know. That's sort of Roddy Piper's deal, right? Have we froze here, Jeremy? Is there an issue? I think like, for for a second. It looks like he's reconnecting. Hold on one second. That was the one-year-old that made me go away. <laughs> my phone. There we go. So you asked me about Roddy. Yes. Like and, how? Um. One second. I just, I just so you have a better, you know, idea of what I'm asking you because I know you spoke about it a second. So I don't want to make you repeat yourself. But the like, how much of his dialogue is him just like going, or how much is him following a script tightly? Because it was hard for me to gather that watching it. You know. Well, you know, it was different with every scene. Um, so the first time you see him and they're speaking Carney, that was Shane's idea that we had written mm-hmm. into the script. So they said whatever they wanted, but it was uh, the idea was you're going to talk Carney and you're going to talk about about the girl, which is Adrian Fisher, which I told you guys, she passed away two days ago, 36. Um, and uh, just just a dream person to work with um and so it was i would say about half was what he was supposed to say and half of it was just roddy doing whatever roddy wanted to do 
Um, you know, the cancer line that was actually in the script. Um, the only things like kissing at the flag, but then he would just, uh, um, the, the icon line was actually in the script where he says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an icon, just ask Hogan. Um, <laughs> but then other things were just Roddy, just going off to whatever. Um, like when he says about the phone, he's supposed to refuse to hand over the phone. And he does the lines as scripted right up until the end. And then he just starts in this thing about if I had a phone, you know, I wouldn't fucking give it to you. Like, you know, and, and, and it was like, okay, Roddy just decided to say whatever Roddy wanted to say. And, and that was fun because the, the, the guy he does that with Richard John Walters is a pretty accomplished actor had never worked with wrestlers. Richard was uh, uh, Harry Warden in My Bloody Valentine 3D. So he plays the initial main villain um, at the opening of the film. Um, and so, I mean, you know, I love working with Richard. I use Richard in almost every film. So he's he's a, a fun guy. I mean, obviously, when you keep using the same guy, you, you have a good working relationship, you know, and so... so yeah, you're happy you'll go cookies. <laughs> Whose idea was it to kill a man with a tombstone pile driver? That was mine. <laughs> that was mine. I just thought it was fantastic that the man dies off of a tombstone. I mean, we've we've seen we've seen that move millions of times over the years with the Undertaker and obviously Undertaker tombstone. I just want to know was that your idea? Was that Shane's idea? So that was your idea to kill the man with the tombstone. Yeah, and then and then I would talk with Shane and go, okay, does this work? Does this not work? Um, and he said, yeah, if you don't tuck your damn head in, you know, you're gonna have a problem. And it's like he said, ask Gary Wolf. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, he said, so I, I broke Gary Wolf's neck. <laughs> so that was that made it in the film too, right? There's a like Duggan has a line. It's Duggan, right? Who has the line about like he? It wasn't your fault. He didn't tuck his head. That's the deal, right? There. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that was, that was Hacksaw. Hacksaw delivered every line pretty much as written. Like Hacksaw never ad libbed. He just, you know, um, and he, so, and he said that line and, uh, that all comes, we actually almost had Gary in the film. So we, we were talking with Gary. We talked with balls Mahoney. Uh, like we talked about like tons and tons of people, Larry Zabisco, um, because the script originally written had Bruno San Martino in it because we were doing this heavy Pittsburgh thing and we wanted to try and get Bruno and the one producer uh, knew him and uh, from a cooking show, she had had him on or something. And so, you know, I mean, Shane knew him and, and, and cause he was trained by Dominic Danucci and they all hang out. So, but uh, it, it, Bruno, it would just cost, it would have, he would have cost more than anybody. Because he he would always demand top dollar. I mean that would that would make sense that Bruno would demand that he's he's, he's a legend, right? Um, that was my next question: is who else were you talking to that you didn't get that you were looking to get into this movie? So you mentioned Balls Mahoney, Gary Wolf, Bruno. Anybody else? I would have loved personally um, the person I wanted, and of course they were at WWE at the time was CM Punk. I love CM Punk. I think Punk is the new Roddy. I think that Vince has mishandled his, mishandled his career. They needed to, to set him up in that same kind of role and just let him mouth, let him go to town. Um, you know, I thought they should have had him win the match against Undertaker. I was actually there for that. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought that's the guy should have beat Undertaker because it, it just would have been, uh, you know, but, but Punk, you know, just like Roddy was a little difficult for Vince. And so they, you know, but I, I just, I saw in him someone who revital, could revitalize wrestling. Um, and I just, I just love his personality. Um, so you were talking about a, a different, um, a, a new project involving wrestlers. Is there any chance that Punk appears in that? It feels like it's a lot more achievable now well, than I, it was I then. Would right? love, I would love that. I mean, it would be, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, we are just in the development stage of uh, discussing, let's do this and what's it going to be. And we want to have them fighting vampires and well, Dracula and a horde of un, a different undead. <laughs> which would be fun. I actually wrote a sequel to pro wrestlers with, with Roddy and his son uh, with Colt and uh, fighting um, werewolves because Roddy thought that would be the next coolest thing. He wanted to do this thing of wrestlers fighting werewolves. And so I sat down and wrote the script and we had a wrestling company. It didn't happen. It was supposed to be in Vegas. And, uh, um, Roddy was going to be the, the main guy on the mic as the announcer, like Jerry Lawler. And, and uh, unfortunately, Roddy passed away, and that we tried to redo it with uh, Jake the Snake, and it just kept going round and round. It just didn't happen. Um, I heard it might happen again. I don't know. But I, you know, I haven't been involved in, in a while. So... I don't know why my my son's taking advantage of us to eat every cookie he can. <laughs> um, the rewrites for this film, you mentioned the budget kind of caused some rewrites. Anything else caused rewrites and issues? Oh, there was all kinds of things. Like we when we first were looking at well, who we cast, so the role Adrian had, uh, I wanted to cast Karen Gillan, which at that point had just come off of Doctor Who, hadn't done all the big films she had done. And I said, we cast her. She's going to be a star, which just, you know, and, and they just financial limitations and they, and we did it non SAG. Um, and, but she would have been perfect. I mean, that was written for her. Actually, the original script and there's scenes we shot that didn't make the film, uh, with Adrian, it was all focused. Like she was the main character. It was clear that the female, this female was the main character. She was breaking into houses and stealing stuff. So when she meets with me, which wasn't supposed it was supposed to be uh, Andrew Clovis, who's the guy in the weird blue outfit that throws money at the zombies. Um, he's supposed to do all those scenes. And she, we're supposed to have seen that she robs from people. She's not who she says she is. So the, when you see her be a badass, you already know she's a bad, you know, it's mm-hmm. not coming out of the blue. She's, she's a, basically a cat burglar. Um, who just gets lumped into this mess with these wrestlers. Uh, and and, the, and the, I think the plot was obviously clearer on the on page than what we ended up with um, and, and why things were the way they were. There was a lot of stuff with uh, the brother and the killing and all that. Um, so, I mean, they, the, the reason the end boss fight, we're supposed to have a big boss fight. The wrestler who, uh, Ashton Amherst, he hurt himself. He, he he got he was also one of the cost savings was all the zombie stunts were performed by five local indie wrestlers 
that were paid. And he was one of the five. So he's playing the villain. And then we were putting him in disguise and having him do stunts also. And he got hurt on a stunt. And um, so he hurt his shoulder. So then he couldn't do anything. He couldn't move his one arm the entire time. Of the film. So now we have a villain who can't move his arm. And and he had never acted before, so he was having uh, – so we actually did a voiceover on his voice um, because we, we didn't like the delivery of the lines. Um, and we were in such a tight time schedule. And, and he got very nervous. Wonderful man. I love him. Um, but got very nervous being on stage with all those wrestlers because these were – I mean, they're all the names he had hoped to be around. And he mm-hmm. was, you know, wrestling indie wrestling in Pittsburgh. So – you and that happened a that, lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that, right? That makes sense. Um, you mentioned about the, the plot, like you felt it was obviously clearer on paper than it came out in the final game. That's I mean that's natural, oh, yeah. right? A lot of stuff changed. But like the one that stood out for me, and, and look, obviously I've seen this once, so I apologize if I've missed details, or I, the Shane Douglas, uh the experience of Shane Douglas in this film is, is an adventure in terms of what I feel I'm supposed to think about that character. In many ways, that's perfect, right? Considering Shane Douglas, the rest of that, that makes a lot of sense. But he is on every which side of this film, it feels like at times, right? Is that something that was like, that's Although who Shane that was is? intentional. He yeah. was supposed to make a hill turn. Like, because, because he's supposed to be, I mean, the franchise character is about being the biggest asshole you can possibly be. And here's how Shane describes being the franchise. He said, Paul Heyman said to him, I want you to be the guy who has a best friend, but says, Hey, his wife is hot. I'm going to bang her. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm not going to feel bad about it. And he needs to apologize for me for getting upset. Like that's who the franchise is supposed to be. And I went, Okay, Shane, I, I get it, you know, and, and the, the funny part is, is the, the real man is so loyal and so different than the guy he portrays, but he is as loud and a little obnoxious at times. Um, like he and I, we get along, we like, we have the same politics. I mean, Shane's very opinionated. He's looking to run for county commissioner in Butler County, Pennsylvania, or Beaver, Beaver, sorry, where he lives. So I just got the call the other day. They're, they're looking to have him run for county commissioner in his county. Um, so, you know, I, I, I might be jumping the gun on <laughs> telling people that this is going Breaking on. Breaking news here. We got Shane Douglas. Going for that's our first scoop. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's our a first big, scoop. Big yeah, scoop. yeah, if he's going to run as Shane Douglas, because you can list your name as what you want it to be, or he's going to run as Troy Martin. I just don't know. And that's why, by the way, his brother's named Troy. We were just playing a joke. Mm-hmm having the idea of that his best friend, Mark Keenan, who was Cody Michaels at ECW, is is Shane's best friend since college. They've been together uh, as buddies forever. So it, it's one – and when so we thought that was kind of fun, to name his brother Troy, you know, to, to play off of that. Um, so, but yeah, it's a strange, it's a strange film, and there's lots of little problems with it. <laughs> lots of, lots of big problems, little problems. The lights went out because we didn't have, they, they, they didn't have extra light bulbs that they ordered for the, for the lights. So at one point, we're filming with one light because that's all we have. 
And I'm like going, please, God, don't let the last light go out because we need every minute with these guys. We're paying them so much money. And so the cinematographers are like, I got one light. I'm just going to make it work. It's all I got, you know? And, and so that's, I'll tell you the other one that you guys probably don't know um, is Matthew Rush. That's in the film. He's under Greg Grove. Mm. He really is like a major porn star. Like yeah. that whole joke <laughs> about him being a porn star. Every time we showed the film, when we first showed it, and my wife and I was there, they'd never come up to me. Some guy would come out of the audience. He would sneak over to my wife and he'd say, how did you get Matthew Rush? <laughs> and she'd be like, well, one of the people involved in the film was friends with him. And the, she'd go in this whole discussion. And because he is, I said on the boss, right? He's like the Babe Ruth of gay porn at the time. He was like the biggest porn star in, in gay porn at that moment. And so there was like, these guys who are in there like, wow, how do you get him? Like, like, cause he wanted to do something that he really did want to do something legit. He, he was in a relationship. He wanted to get out of porn. So, okay. Well, now I think you've got to do porn stars versus zombies next Forget pro wrestlers. No, no, not because of he was great. All I'll say is I will never deal with that world again. <laughs> Wrestlers, yes. The, the, you know, no, you know that. I mean, but we we had Taya from Penthouse. Um, you know, we we had there was actually for the trauma version they didn't end up putting it in. We shot a scene with a uh, someone who was a Playboy playmate because trauma wanted to have some nudity, so then we went back and shot nude, a, nude, a nude add-on scene, but then they chose not to use it. I mean, we showed it in Miami at Miami Comic Con, but it was. Uh, um, and it didn't go over well. I mean, it was just like, okay, cause it was just, I mean, it was really just jammed into the film. Here it is the random required nudity for Trump. <laughs> um, I mean, you got, you got close with, uh, Matt and Rebby there. They were getting heavy in the locker room. They, yeah, they were having fun. I mean, and, and oh, so Rebby's outfit, the funny part is like, you know, cause I saw DC's Birds of Prey. That outfit was inspired by Black Canary. So I wanted something with the little bolero jacket and the whole bit that like was a black canary type outfit. Um, so that's why we dressed her that way. And I think it works for Rebby. I mean, it just fits her personality. And I mean, no one's ever said, Hey, that didn't look like something Rebby would wear. Um, yeah. And, and, and so, you know, the one time with the bus scene, People say, well, why is there another random girl on there that Matt's making out with? It's just like, well, Rebby wasn't on the bus, and we had we had this plan that Matt was going to be making out with someone. So we just chose a random extra. <laughs> and we had all these extra these people wanting to be around the film. And I said, go find the prettiest girl in the group. And they brought me this one girl, and I said, and she was not very attractive. I said, well, with makeup, hair, like, fix her up. And then we saw this girl, and she actually had her child with her. She had like a, a, a baby younger than Winston here. And we said, Are you, do you have someone the child can be with? And she said, yeah. And we handed she handed off the child to somebody and got on the bus and said, you're going to be going the whole day. <laughs> and she said, what am I going to do? I said, you're just going to make out with Matt Hardy. For the next eight hours on this bus, all you do is kiss Matt Hardy the entire time. And so that's that's what she did. 
She did that. I can confirm she did that. I wanted to ask about, like, so I, I would assume, I don't know, but I would assume that a lot of the reaction you get to this film since, like, you know, the, the initial release has been shows like ours that inexplicably review films like this, right? And, like, I'd, I'd imagine, mm-hmm. I did a quick Google and I saw some stuff. How, if you summarise, what has been the, the general response to this film from the wrestling community, like that, you know, that weird sort of subsection it, online? It depends on how they, what they feel about Shane Douglas. So there's two things. My, my wife sense. says to me, well, number one is how they feel about Shane. And number two, because of the names that were in it, there's an expectation of production value that isn't there. And, and, and so that, that, that we pay a price for. So people go, well, I see these names, and I think I'm going to get, like, Steven Spielberg-type production. And what you get is trauma-type production. <laughs> um, so that's one. But the other one is it, it really is, like, I'll read a guy, and he'll go through the whole review, and he'll be bashing it. And then he gets to, and I never liked Shane Douglas. And I'm like, there you go, because that's what's driving, like, their thinking. And if they like Shane Douglas, they love the film. Like it's just it's night and day, and so I just I've learned to accept that that, that by by basing it so much on Shane, um, and that was always the plan, because I'd went to school with him, you know we wanted to to help him, he was always going to be the main guy, and then when we wrote when we got Roddy we added more to Roddy, you know that 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 changed things, um, yeah. because I've I've had reviewers actually ask me well why Shane Douglas. Well, because Shane's my friend. It's very simple. Um, the film didn't happen without Shane. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I'm a big one on loyalty. So life's too short to be a dick. Um, and so, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's the biggest thing. I mean, so when I called him about this next thing, he would be part of it. But we have a plan on focusing it on another character. You know, and, and he gets that. Like, he's, mm-hmm. you know... I mean, hearing the way you describe Shane as, I mean, he plays this franchise character. I I think the scene uh, early in the film where he's talking with his nephew and he's like, Uncle Shane, he's like, call me franchise kid. And it's just like, what a what an absolute dick he is to this kid. Hearing you describe, like, this is the character he's supposed to play. It's like, all right, well, he plays it very well. Yeah, well, he's, he's uh, um, we had a guy, uh, a guy by the name of Tim Lucas, who is a, major person in the world of film review. He had a magazine for like 30 years reviewing film. And he actually watched the film because Adrian, uh, Joe Ruscio, who was the cameraman, the cinematographer, they all were went to a school that he taught at. And he said, uh, he said, Shane has a real talent. Like in the right role, in the right situation, he could act. And I thought that was interesting because most wrestling fans were just judging him on it's Shane Douglas and how they feel about him as a wrestler. Um, they they weren't looking at it from someone who had never watched wrestling. Was looking at what is he capable of? What is so we get people like all oh, the wrestlers can't act. Only Roddy could act. And and there's a lot of nostalgia things. I mean, I think Hacksaw is perfectly good as being Hacksaw. <laughs> I mean, like that, that's who he is. Like you know. Um, and Matt Hardy, honestly, we have a scene that there was some issues with lighting. It was shot right at dusk. 
and and it got really grainy, so it got cut. And it shows why this him picking up this girl. And he does he just came up with these lines. And I let him ad lib it because we added it. Long story short, he could act. Like him putting on the moves to pick somebody up was was very realistic. Um and the line about uh you know about doing it for Jesus or whatever. That was in the script, and Matt said, I've used that line. So that was one of the funniest things he said. I'm like, Cody, this is exactly how I talk. I'm like, yay! <laughs> well, I was wondering if, like, I know you said, so you was a fan uh, before. But did you see any of Matt? Matt kind of, like, invented, dare I say invented, but, like, he kind of introduced cinematic wrestling into the wrestling universe. Like he did some pretty wild stuff a few years yeah. ago that kind of changed the did you see any of that stuff? Any like opinion on it? Yeah. I mean I I'd watched the Hardy uh brothers and 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 was and it just I I like the I like that stuff. I mean there is obviously if you spend enough time around Shane he'll tell you about people doing spots for the sake of spots. And I don't think that was what they did. I mean, it's went there because that was a natural progression of things. Um, but no, I mean, we, the whole thing with his fight sequence was the single longest thing we took time on as far as shooting it. They went in there and then Shane choreographed it with Matt and they spent a ton of time on safety issues in particular. Um, because people were doing falls and whatever. And actually, that's still where the, the uh, Ash and Amherst got hurt. It was in that spot, and it didn't make the film. Because when he, he came down, he hit the, the airbag and everything, and it was being held down by eight guys uh, because you couldn't put it into the concrete in the, 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 the prison. And Ashton uh, came down the wrong way with his shoulder first into it, and it popped out, even with the people holding it down. So, I mean, we actually went to the insurance company and they said we did everything right because um, he had to go. Because we had two people get hurt. Uh, him and uh, G. Raver got hurt. Um, G. Raver, when Roddy did the thing, we're pounding the pot into the zombie's head. No, no, uh, no, He no. bent that over G. Raver's head. He actually was beating it into his head. So when you watch that, he's beating the pot into the man's head. Um. And he had a bandage tent. He comes up with fake blood. We had fake blood on him. He comes up with blood. Winston. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And, and, and so, uh, so that was that was so you know 
Raver had to go over and get checked, and then he came back and continued doing stunts. That was actually the first thing we shot with Roddy. Was that whole sequence in the uh, uh, where he says, "I've never held the, had the pencil before." That was his line because he put that in. Um, but that idea of the coconut that I had written that in the script, you know, hitting a zombie with a coconut, and that was the very first thing we shot with Roddy. And I was very, very happy with the way that turned out. I say, there's a lot of nods to wrestling. I mean, you mentioned the the Gary Wolf line, the coconut uh, with Roddy, and even him. I I cackled that the this is the first time I've had a pencil type deal. Like, yeah, give give Piper the pencil, let him book the territory. I was gonna say you should take credit for the Matt Hardy cinematic universe. This was Matt's like first movie. And then ever since then, him and Rebby now are filming movies uh, and matches for AEW. I think we'll just give you credit. Pro Wrestlers vs. Zombies inspired the entire Matt Hardy broken universe. <laughs> Matt's going to yell well, at us for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they were, I mean, fun people. They, their kids are about the same age as our two kids. So that, that's kind of neat. Um, we see them on Facebook and stuff, and it's like, hey, they got kids the same age. Um, you know, we, you know, weird thing. People don't realize Revy plays the piano, and she's extremely accomplished piano player. Well, like, people know that now. Do they? Okay, yeah, she's she's playing the piano all the time on Impact. And yeah, it's, it's become a thing. Yeah, it's a thing now. <laughs> See again, I, you 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 created the broken universe. We're just going to give you credit, Cody. That's what we're doing here. Well, I, I well, at the premiere, they were there. And Rebby went over and started playing the piano. And my wife and I are like, Rebby's playing the piano? Like, we didn't, I mean, we had no idea. And my wife, because she's an organist and started playing the piano first, obviously, uh, you know, she's like, Rebby's actually pretty good. Like, it was just this, like, <laughs> surprise thing, you know? Like, you know, that whole night was weird at the premiere because, I mean, Roddy was incredible. Um, I brought them to the town I lived in, Uniontown, PA, um, south of Pittsburgh. And uh, Rebby and Matt, my mother-in-law, she's deceased now, uh, was so watching the sales on T-shirts, they asked for a T-shirt. They said, we'll promote it on all our channels and all of this and people will buy it. And my mother-in-law would not hand them a T-shirt unless they paid for it. And they, they got an argument. And I had to go over and go, Jackie, give Rebby and Matt a T-shirt. <laughs> Let them promote the film. Like, what are you doing? But she was, she, was, she was very waspy. And it's like, you're going to pay $15 for this T-shirt. Or you don't get it. I don't care who you are. And she had no, like, she didn't know who Matt Hardy was and didn't care who Matt Hardy was. I respect that. That makes sense to me. It's probably a good approach <laughs> around this. wrestlers were yeah. at all. Like, my, like wife never, my wife never knew any of these people. And, and, uh, and then they became part of our life. And then uh, when Roddy died, I was shocked. My wife doesn't like wrestling at all. And she started crying. Um, you know, like we got the call like five minutes before TMZ put it up and it was such a weird, we were sitting in a Chinese restaurant, Mark Keenan called us and I said, are you joking? And he said, we never joke about that because they will play practical jokes constantly. So I was like, you know, and, uh, my wife started crying and we, we were thinking about Roddy and then it, you know, all of a sudden it hits TMZ 
And then all these people are like on my Facebook and posting to me about it. And, and it was weird because it was someone we knew as a person. And yet it was a celebrity death. And I didn't want to respond to anybody. Like I didn't want to talk to them about it. I didn't want to, you know. Um, Roddy, Roddy was such a part of my childhood. And then to get to know him as a human being. And he's such a complex man. Um, and, and so interesting. I mean, he's, I think, was it, he's the grandson or great grandson of, uh, Rod, uh, of, uh, Toombs, who was, was considered to be the head of the Confederacy, but Jeff Davis beat him for it. I mean, he's a direct descendant of one of the most powerful politicians in Georgia history. And, People don't know that. Like he was really into the Civil War. My wife and I do portrayals of Civil War characters. And so we spend a lot of time on this. And this guy was the fiery of the fire, fiery secessionist. And so much like Roddy was as a person, like all that energy and all that fire and, and would fight back with you. And so it's it's something within the genes and something within the family. Um, and that was shocking to us. We, we We never connected the tomb's name and went, oh, my God. You know, yeah, he's from Canada, but he really isn't. He, he, I mean, that tie to America is tied back to his family in the Confederacy, um, which is a fascinating part of the family history. You, know, you mentioned earlier that you were talking about this, the uh, the Shane Douglas scene, and you said, you know, like, like obviously this is a comedy, right? Like this is, you know, you can have fun with this. How often do you think films like this are taken a little too seriously by people like Jeremy and I who do these podcasts. And like when you read reviews, sometimes do you feel like people kind of what? miss what you were going for sometimes? They, 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 they go, well, why was there weapons in the prison? I said, well, you know, I, I tell people, well, why the hell is there weapons underneath the, the wrestling ring? Like <laughs> that's, that's why there's freaking weapons in the, in the prison. There's actually, we cut it from the film. There's a boa constrictor in there. We filmed with a boa constrictor and it goes down a hole and that's how they know where to go down the hole. They follow a boa constrictor because the, 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 the demon is, is connected to boa constrictors and all this bullshit. And so they're following it around. We, all that got cut. We filmed it. Like we actually had a boa there and they, they follow it down a hole. And uh, you know, so like when they fall, they, they jump down through the hole that was just them hanging on the ceiling. And Matt Hardy said, I can make it look like we're coming out of a hole. Watch this. And he's just pulling himself up in there. And, and uh, you know, and then when he did the thing where he hurt his leg, it's really funny because you'd have to be there on set because he's doing the limp, right? Rebby is yelling at him. Matt, you're not selling it well enough. Matt, you need to... <laughs> She's like, sell it better. Sell it better. You need to do this. Like she was really tough on him to get out of him. Like I didn't need to direct him. Rebby could absolutely tell Matt what he needed to do and how he needed to do it. And you just stayed out of her way, you know, cause she knew how to get out of Matt, what he needed to do. Um, Every wrestling so, fan right now is like, yep, this all checks out. <laughs> no, he, he's, she's a tough woman. I mean, and, 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 you know, we like working with her. Uh, gorgeous. I mean, just the camera loves her. Um, and, and we had filmed something in, in Brooklyn that didn't make the film either. We filmed the test shot. And so we, we changed the, the creepy promoter after that. We didn't like where that was going with the gentleman we used, who was a wrestling promoter. 
And I got the part because Andrew Clovis, who plays the guy that throws the money, um, he is gay in real life, and he could not come over as a creepy heterosexual man. We were trying it, and it just he didn't know how to do this. And so Tay and them said, Cody, you have to do it. That's it, fine. I'll go be a creepy guy. You know, this is easy. Um, and, and and the scene when they both go in the closet, a lot of people ask me about Adrian and Andrew going in the closet. Like, why she, like, immediately make out with the guy with about the blood and it's corn syrup? Uh, that was an inside joke because they're both gay. And so we have them, two gay people, go into the closet in the scene. Um, so, I mean, a, a, I mean, Adrian's... Uh, I've been reading her. She passed away, and her wife is—I mean, obviously very sad, but wonderful, wonderful woman. Um, but it, it, it is, uh, you know, it was like so nobody understood that unless you knew that, you know. Um, and you probably didn't even catch the Greg Grove shirt. No. If you look on his shirt, it says "Play with Play with Me," and it points down as <laughs> an arrow pointing down at the speedos. <laughs> There's that's I mean there there's there's really stupid stuff going on. And then Hatsall played in the NFL, which is why we have that scene when they do the hut hut hut. Mm-hmm. People forget that Hacksaw made it in the NFL. And so that was I wanted to have people just plow through zombies. So my phone's almost dead, but I'm gonna tell you a really cool story about Kurt Angle. The scene where they bust out of the ring and they bust through the people. Um, when Roddy and them did that, the people wouldn't back away and they kept grabbing Roddy and Shane and Hacksaw and them. And Kurt Angle had to go and take the microphone and yell at them. And the, the second and third take, they spread so far apart. that was like, like the, the, the uh, Moses spreading the Red Sea. And it looked ridiculous. They ran from each other. They ran away. So when Roddy and them are doing that, Roddy's actually kicking the extras and hitting them for real because they won't get away from him. And he's like, get the fuck away. (laughs) They were supposed to just slightly move away and they didn't do it. And we couldn't get them, you know, and and there was multiple times that people panicked and grabbed Roddy. Uh, Like he went out and met with the extras when we had a really long night the one night and a West Virginia state trooper had to grab him from the shoulders and drag him out of a group of extras who were, were clawing at him. Um, and he, because he had been stabbed and uh, he has real issues with people. He had real issues with people getting too close to him mm-hmm. and, 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 and he wanted to do right by them. And, 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 you know, and, and they just made it. Uh, I know in one case we were in New York with him and he turned to Vince and I, uh, Vince, Vince Ruffalo, it's my business partner, and said, get me the fuck out of here. Never let the fans know that he was freaking out, that they were getting too close. So we had to look like bad guys to, to protect him. But, but it was not because he would, didn't want to be around them. It's because he got claustrophobic and scared because he had been stabbed. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and fans get weird. And, and that's, yes. it's just uh, unfortunate. Before um, your uh, before your your phone battery goes, I, I did want to ask. I want to give you the chance to kind of like conclude your own your own experience with this, right? Like you've you've explained how the film differed from your kind of plan, but like generally, 
as objectively as you can. Do you like this film? Are you happy with what it came out to be, even though it could have been something totally I, I will. I will never be happy. Martin Scorsese said, if you don't watch your film and want to throw up, no matter how good or bad it is, there's something wrong with you. And, and I, as a filmmaker, and that's where I'm at. That being said, it's a wonderful experience. I met wonderful people. I learned so much in such a short period of time. And I learned all the things I will never make the mistake of doing again. Um, and, and, and hopefully make better films because of it. I mean, but it is, you know, but, but I, I've learned to embrace it at times. I was like upset and embarrassed and people would say how bad things were this and that. And, and I would just write them and say, I hope it made you laugh. And, 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 and I tried to be very positive about it, but, but at this point I've now accepted, I mean, I actually just put up in my new house. I put up my, uh, autographed stuff from Roddy and Hacksaw. And I, I don't like getting pictures with people and things like that, but I did let one picture be taken with Roddy. And I really love that picture. Like it, it it's, it, you know, I, and I'm happy I did it, but I, I'm not one. It's like people want to go and get their picture taken and, yeah. you know, all that stuff. Um, I have friends that do that. that have helped me on sets and they're like, that's their biggest thing in the world. And, and I, that's not me. You know, it's like, I want to know them as people and I don't need their autograph. I don't need that, but you know, it, it's, uh, um, I'm able to look back now and look at it very positively. So, Cody, we appreciate you joining us uh, for this last hour talking about this film. Anything you need want to plug? Let us know uh, where the people can find you at, what you're working on, all that stuff. Yeah, we're go- we're going to be doing if they go to print uh, if you go to Kexburg UFO movie or PrinceAlexandrDarkness.com, they all head to the same place. Um, we're going to be doing a sale here after Thanksgiving of a what's i have a whole bunch of pro wrestler versus zombie t-shirts uh some other films i did um and we're trying to move them all and uh because i want them i don't i i've been storing them <laughs> I keep them they're gonna be going really cheap it's just like please let me move them out of my house um because i've been carrying them around and, and mainly stuff like from kex i just did kex for a ufo movie and uh we're working on a film on the little green men incident so um lots of cool stuff well, again, we really appreciate you joining us. Um, everyone check out Pro Wrestlers vs. Zombies. Joseph and I are going to stick around and talk a little bit more. But, Cody, again, thank you so much for your time today. No problem. Thanks, guys. See you. Yep. Cheers. Bye. Joseph, first interview with someone who, you know, worked on the film, but directed, wrote the film. Hmm. Did Andrew Thompson not make Ready to Rumble? <laughs> Andrew Thompson did not make Ready to Rumble. I don't think he liked that film at all, actually. <laughs> okay. I, just, I, I wasn't totally sure because, to be fair, Cody didn't seem to like that film particularly. So it, was, <laughs> it, it, was a similar, it was a similar experience. That was cool. I mean, films like that are fascinating because he was <laughs> – when last week you read to me the cast, <laughs> he legitimately described my reaction because he was like – People see the cast and like, oh, it's going to be like a decent production. Why is Shane Douglas the centerpiece? And I'm sitting here like, can confirm, did all these things just today. So, it, look, I mean, I completely believe him when he says it lives and dies on Shane Douglas' popularity. Yeah. With The unfortunate thing with that, Jeremy, is I think that also impacted us two here as we sit on this podcast. I don't know if you're a big Shane... I, look, I'm not going to be rude. The guy is his friend, okay? I don't know Shane Douglas. Seems like a cool guy. 
the professional wrestling character of the franchise is not really my thing. Okay? Yeah, mine neither. <laughs> so this film, he was correct, was definitely was damaged by that. But it is what it is, right? I think the thing, I mean, I was very skeptical and worried of like, how serious does he take this film? Because we watched it. And we were both like, if you approach this as it's just, it's pro wrestlers versus zombies and it's very campy and silly and you're not thinking much of it, you can get something out of this film. If you approach it as like, like you said, and like he said, it's this big, it's supposed to be this big budget thing and it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. really serious and there's supposed to be, you know, a coherent plot, which there's not, he admitted to that. uh, Then you're like, this film is absolute trash. Uh, But you know, hearing him reflect on it and seeing that, all right, he didn't take it super serious. He realized the mistakes with it. He he knew, like you said, how it lived and died. I enjoy the film more now after watching it twice in the past 24 hours and doing this interview. Yeah, that's that's why I asked. Like, I think, and we know this, I'm not saying we're oblivious to it, but like 90% of the films we review on here are like fully aware they suck. Like yeah. fully aware. <laughs> But they're completely aware while making them, this is a bad film. The few films we've reviewed that aren't that way probably are the ones we thought were good. So, like, that's just the way it is. And it is cool to get that direct where he's just like, you know, Shane then threw in this line about Vincent Man. It was like, go for it, Shane. Like, that's that's how the film comes across. If you, here's my issue, okay? And it isn't with him or the film. My issue, Jeremy, and I feel this may extend to you, is I think I've hit the wall with these films now. And, like, I can. I'm. Str- I struggle sometimes to enjoy the insanity of it because I have to talk about. It. So I'm watching it, thinking, "What bits am I going to get out of this film?" And I was struggling. So I'm glad we had an interview. Basically, yeah. Uh, I was the same way. I mean, I watched it twice, though. I was so worried that I I missed something the first time. I did. I watched it last night. I watched it last night, and then I rewatched it again this morning. <laughs> You're you're joking, man. No, no. <laughs> Check my timeline. I tweeted about it. I tweeted that I'm watching it again because I love this fucking business. All caps. <laughs> Hang on, Hans. You were scared you'd miss something. It's not that I was scared I missed something. I wanted, you know, because last when I watched it the first time last night, I just thought we were going to review the movie. So I was like, all right, whatever. We'll... We'll do our usual thing with the movie review. It'll be fine. Then once I found out we were having Cody on, I was like, I should rewatch it and see like if there's more to it that I just didn't catch. Was there? The was there no, no. <laughs> no. I honestly not. wish you told Cody while he was on here that you watched it twice in like 12 hours. He probably would have watched immediately go off. Like, Those guys are insane. Get rid of them. That's incredible, man. That's extraordinary. Never question... My my partner here, the host of this podcast, never question his just perseverance in making sure that he's covered the bases for this program. I've he been te- called. Go, go ahead. ahead. You text me like this is that later. Okay, it's like I have tweeted Matt Hardy. He has liked my tweet. He's like, okay, cool. Then he's like, we're going to get the director of the film on. He says this to me like I'm like sitting there like, oh, finally I can explore this 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 film with him. I've still not watched the film. He he never tells me he's watched it twice, which is even better. But like every week with this show, I need to stress this to the audience. Every week I watch the film, like an hour and a half for podcast. I come on, I talk about film, done. The most I've ever done for this is when I did the uh, the um, match pay-per-view win thing. Remember I did that bit? 
Right. Meanwhile, in Gotham, you're over there like preparing for this like it's a, a weekly kind of television show. Like, it is a weekly star. television show. Big stars, right? Yeah. That's, I need to. I need to get up on your level. You know, you're a big star, and you're using it correctly. I mean, you you see me. I'm shooting shots on Twitter all the time, yeah. trying to get people on the show who have been part of the movie and stuff. We look big show liked the tweet last week after the show had already aired. Of course, Matt Hardy. Uh, I had contact with him over the show, and then it led to Cody coming on. So you got to keep shooting, Joseph. You got to keep shooting. Here's here's another scoop for you. I'm apparently gonna have to watch this a third time sometime down the future. So I, I don't know why. I know why, but. I'm out of my mind, Joseph. I'm completely out of my mind. You are. Now, here is where, if I was a good podcaster, I would be like, you are out of your mind, Jeremy, and next week we are going to watch. There's one problem with that. You forgot the movie. (laughs) I don't know if I ever knew the movie. I'm going to be honest with you, okay? So we're going to do this live on the air. This is production me now, folks. Jeremy, would you like to text me the name of the film so I can do a transition, or would you like to just announce it? Your call. No, because I don't remember what it was either. I meant to <laughs> tell you. You I did. Tell you I was expecting was. to be told, and then I came on, and it was like, oh, no, I've forgotten completely. So <laughs> I, I legitimately do not remember. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of Super Chats here um, from Jobber JJ. Look, we're on the, the stream yard, so I can pull this up. Super Chat for A-plus uh, stars reviewing movies and giving me a distraction. You're both awesome as always. Thank you, Jabber JJ. That's awesome. Yeah, that's tweet, cool. Tweet Sean Ross up. Tell him uh, we need the Point God shirt. Tell him we need a uh, uh, distraction shirt as well. Never going to happen. We're not getting any of this stuff. All right. Um, let me try to find this movie. Because it's a special edition next week, correct? It is, yeah. I mean, it's so special that I didn't All right, any- here's, here's okay. what it is. You ready, Joseph? Yes. It's called Body Slam, 1986. Okay. It's an hour and 29 minutes, so it's in our nice little wheelhouse there. Uh, Roddy Piper is in it, so we're, we got another Roddy Piper film to review. Do you oh. want to tell everybody the details? Yes. Okay. Well, I have no idea about the film, clearly, because I've just found out the name of it. <laughs> However, uh, folks that follow me on the social know that, and they've seen it on the show, right? This show has had many guests, I always say that, like, we have we have a top tier because they've been back again, right? You're looking at your Andrew Thompson and you're looking at your Jack Crosby. Would you agree with that, Jeremy? Like, no disrespect to the others. We've got love for them all. Well, not I mean, all, I, right? I think our repeat guests are Andrew, Jack, and some AEW jobber. So, yeah, Andrew and Jack. I don't, no, 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 no. Sorry, Ricky. I just want to make it clear because I was thinking about this the other day. That show is not like a distraction show. I wasn't on it. He's struck from the records. Okay, that was just he just replaced me that day. That's all that was. He just filled in for me. That was it. So, like, you know how on AW Dark, you've like, I don't know, if Excalibur wasn't there, you'd be like, oh, put Ricky on commentary. I was Excalibur in that exchange. Okay. So anyway, the repeat guess, we everyone knows that an ally of mine on this show, a guy that I turn to on everything but. Nikki Crosby and the female Mick Foley is Jack Crosby. <laughs> Anything else, we're like this, okay? We're big stars. He was always a big star, but now we're up there with him. He's going to be joining us next week to review this film because he has a mention of nostalgia for it, I believe. He remembers it fondly. So that is next Tuesday's show. So just to be clear, for anyone that keeps track of me, yesterday I did a Q&A and said that guests are for losers um i'm following up with two guests because that's that's kind of consistency what? where did you say guests are for losers um i can't remember who it was a good brother was like who is 
the best guests to get on the distraction. And I was like, eh, we don't need guests, right? This show is built on this this dynamic. Guests are cool. I like having the powers on, but you know, I don't. I never want to be a show where it's like, oh, they've got no one on. That sucks. That's not our deal, right? Right. Yes. So Jack Crosby, anyway. Uh, we might have another special guest joining us for a movie review in the next uh, upcoming weeks. No, uh, no, Joseph knows absolutely nothing about this. I'll tell you off air. I, I can't announce anything yet. Okay. Samoa Joe. Okay. No. Cool. <laughs> and talks are being made. Joseph, we got to rate this movie still. We rate every movie. We got to rate this movie. What are we, we have, rating? This we movie? have to rate this film. Yes, we do. Okay. Jeremy, what have <laughs> I given? What did I give River of Darkness? Um, you gave River of Darkness a zero because <laughs> it's better than River of Darkness. Like the Rod, just because it has Roddy and he does like some fun stuff. I'm looking at, and I apologize to our guest. It was it was very friendly. I have no issue, but this was a two. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's. I want to be clear. You gave this the same rating as the John Cena album. Yes, that had the trademark <laughs> on it. And and the Marine Six and the main event. Those are all the films or uh, musical reviews that you've given a two. I will not comment on whether or not that makes me think this should be higher or lower. <laughs> I will not. Our respect for our guest. Uh, I, I'm going to give this... I'm trying to see what I've rated stuff. Like, if you approach this as a nice, campy, fun movie it's an hour and a half you know it's it's right in that uh you're not killing too much time out of things then i think it's fine i i'm going to give it a i'm gonna give it a star and a half that is a hmm, a nia jack's pay-per-view match <laughs> that's good nia, wrestlemania main eventer nia jacks i heard she's headlining against oscar this year that's what i hear i mean that was a, I don't want to, I don't want to get anyone in trouble. But I did appreciate the report that because it was said that a match was WrestleMania worthy, that means it's happening at WrestleMania. I did appreciate that. I like the idea that they have plans for Nia Jax WrestleMania in checks notes November. Yeah, that's a real thing. I promise. Yes. yes. Uh, anything else, Joseph? You got a big Undertaker feature coming out on Thursday. Yeah. Is <laughs> let's do this on there. Because I think it's nice when we like the universe of the Fightful is like split up a little bit. That article is going to come out. What percentage is there that it gets dunked on? I was trying to make it not get dunked on with my new headline, but <laughs> yeah, I had to change it back. Unfortunately, this 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 explains. So I find that where The Undertaker is at in terms of perception and brand for a range of reasons that I will not get onto on this podcast, I find it very hard to title his article in a fashion that doesn't make people just be like, look at these dorks talking about The Undertaker. <laughs> and my article is called An Industry Anomaly. Now, in many ways, The Undertaker is certainly not an anomaly in this industry. I'm aware of that, folks. If you see it get dunked on, tell me. It'll be funny because I've seen it coming. I told Sean. I messaged Sean. I said, Sean, this title sucks. Change the title. <laughs> and he's not hes not changing the title. But I can confirm he has not changed the title. I tried. You saw it. I tweeted you. Explain what your title was, Jeremy. My title was fucking finally, maybe. 
<laughs> my alternative was the people really seemed to enjoy that title. They did. My alternative was the Undertaker farewell for now, which I thought was like it walked the line between being fair and being silly. Yeah. But then I realized that looks like a quote, and people are gonna be like, <laughs> still not committing to it, dog. And I was like, <laughs> at that point, I don't know, dude. It's hard, right? The article's fine. It's cool. It's the Undertaker. What it's left is article. there to say? You know? What is there left to say about the Undertaker other than when he walks up the ramp? He does the arm. <laughs> Great send-off. Tremendous send-off. <laughs> that was a 20-minute bit. That was like an all Japan finish in the 90s. It was like, geez, these guys just keep going with this deal. It's incredible. <laughs> Anything else you got going on this week, Joseph? You think Sean's going to have you write that uh, big Lana feature? You should write a Lana feature, actually. Oh. No, I'm I'm not doing that. I'm, you know, I actually, this is, I've not said this for years, and we've only done the show for 11 months, but I'm, like, kind of excited to talk about wrestling this week. I, I'm very happy with the wrestling landscape after last night. I enjoyed the show, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. We've got some big topics. We've got a new WWF champion, right? Wait, wait, we're talking wrestling this week? Don't you realize NBA trades have happened, free agency's about to start, the draft is tomorrow night? This is wrestling stuff. Okay, before we go, I don't want to get into it, but I just want to ask, your like gut instinct reaction when you read the Drew Holiday deal? Oh, they gave up way too much for Drew Holiday. The Bucks could have had Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder for as much as they gave up for mm. Drew Holiday. See, I think, I don't I mean, obviously we don't know this, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's what led to this deal. It's like they tried to lowball the thunder. They were left without either of them, and then it was like, "Oh, geez, what are we gonna do now?" You know. Well, they apparently they apparently did try to get Dennis Schroeder, and the the trade was just like Bledsoe and and a first, and OKC turned it down because Bledsoe's contract is worse than Danny right. Green's contract, and the first from the Lakers, the first from the Bucks, it's going to be the same deal. So you're just basically looking at which player is easier to flip. Danny Green's easier to flip. I don't know if they made a serious offer at Chris Paul. Um, they, they probably would have had to have more on that deal just monetarily, but they they could have easily gotten Chris Paul, I think, with Bledsoe, Hill, maybe another contract or two thrown in, and three first-round picks, much yeah. less five. But, like, I get it, right? Like, if they miss, if Giannis leaves... I think, I don't think you're doing that deal, because there's there's rumors out there that he's, like, already committed to this extension. Right. I can imagine you're giving up five first round picks, three picks and two pick swaps. If you have, if you think Giannis is like leaning towards leaving. Yes. And we all know that like among the league, the players in the league, the few players are as respected as Drew. And that would lead even more credence because you could imagine him totally signing off and being like, yes, get Drew. Right. So, yeah. But I'm happy for Drew, man. Like, good for him. It's just, it's hard not to read it and just be like, Jesus, that's a lot, right? But we'll see. We'll see. Well, James Harden's going to the Nets now. They're going to have to give up, I mean, draft picks until 2040, but he's going to the Nets is the word. <laughs> I'm so pumped for this. Here's a serious question as someone that knows very little about NBA. You've watched for much, much longer than me, Jeremy. Trios with as much shot creation as that free if it happens. Seriously, like for all of the flaws, seriously, how wild is that free? Somebody, uh, my, my friend asked me this the other day. Is like, oh, is, is this like the best big three 
talent wise ever assembled. And I'm just like, literally two years ago, we had Durant, Clay, and Curry. And like, that's just as good, if not better. Then I understand Harden is a better, I mean, however you want to put it. Kai, well, I think Steph is better than Harden. Durant mm-hmm. three years ago is better than Durant is today, especially coming off the Achilles injury. Kyrie and Clay is close. Like Kyrie's a better one-on-one player. Clay is just much more easier to just like fit somewhere. The this Nets yes. team is gonna be just the ultimate take a turn offense because all these guys yeah. are just gonna want to do their one-on-one shit. Yeah, I agree. The Warriors free is more balanced, right? Like it look it's a lot easier to I just, as much as I probably wouldn't enjoy watching just constant ISO, it's like, wow, that is a lot of ISO. That's an insane <laughs> amount of skill to have on one yes. team. I mean, obviously, you'd have to see. But the big the big thing that's hanging over them, and the reason that deal, I think, is really appealing, is like Durant's coming off like the worst injury. And Kyrie just gets hurt a lot, right? Like, he does. And Harden, if nothing else, Harden's super durable. Right, you can't stop planning forty minutes. He wants his forty minutes to get his thirty-six points. So that's, I mean, that's a, a big deal, I think, for them, because then you, you most likely will always have him, and you can almost whatever one of the two guys is fresh, you can kind of slot him in. I feel like they're going to be very, they're going to lean heavily on the old load management deal. So we'll see. Interesting. I hope the deal happens. I think, <clears throat> I think it'll make the Nets more fascinating than they already are. Like I'm already looking forward to this KD Kyrie dynamic what happened to joseph i don't know can you hear me yeah i can hear you your camera's just gone there you go all right <laughs> my, um, my camera was in, apparently unplugged even though it's on <laughs> very scary times but yes uh yeah i'm fascinated by katie and Kyrie. you add hard into that mix i have no idea what's gonna happen poor steve nash <laughs> the steve best thing nash. is the best thing is steve nash is gonna do these interviews like yeah we want to play fast you know movement cutting all this stuff once they get on the court Harden just gonna wave everybody off and be like, let me ISO Kyrie, wave everybody off. Durant's like, give me the ball in the high block. Come on, let me go to work. And that's like it. These guys aren't moving for shit. Dan Tony is gonna be like hanging over Nash so bad. Like, because if Harden goes there, you know Harden wants Dan Tony to be the head coach. Like yeah. he's all in. So yeah. That's the weird thing about the NBA that's not a deal like here with football or soccer for you guys, I guess. He's like Actual head coaches would just be assistants. And it's kind of transparent that they'll take that job and never. Like, that happens a lot, right? Like you see it all the time. I mean, I, the Jason it, Kidd, everyone thought Jason Kidd was just going to be the coach of the Lakers. Everyone right. was waiting for Vogel to screw up. So LeBron mm-hmm. can be like, all right, he's got to go put Jason Kidd in there. And then Vogel just never screwed up. It's, I would bet a good amount of money that that was part of Jason Kidd being like, yeah, I'll do it. He's like, he probably thought. Yeah, as soon as you know, as soon as stuff falls through, I'm in. That's just wild to me. Like Dan Tony being that level of coach, I don't know he has his flaws, but still, like him is just sitting next to Nash. He's just insane to me. But there you go. We'll see. Any other basketball talk you want to hit on quickly? I'm surprised that no one has traded us um, four first round picks for Al Horford. To be honest, but there you go. I mean, right? Robert Covington went for two. That was a good move, though. That's the kind of move. Yeah, because they don't want to do, like, the truth is everyone does these CJ deals every summer, right? Everyone gets their trade machine out. CJ for this player, it's like, they very rarely get actually better. Yeah. But Covington feels like 
a range because they needed forwards, right? But they also needed defense. Both boxes tick. He has the length. He's tremendous. So everyone knows I'm a big Covenant guy. So two first round picks. Hmm. I may be older, but you know, like realistically, when you have a talent like Dames, you just got to try your best to maximize it, right? That's all you can do. That's what they're trying to do. So I, I don't I, think I don't think so. the West is wide open because uh, the Lakers are going to be the favorites for for good reason, but. Mm-hmm. Like outside of the Lakers, look, the Clippers clearly vulnerable after last season. There's still there's still a lot of questions there. The Nuggets, people are just going to continue to question them no matter what. I, the Warriors, I, everyone expects them to be back. They're still going to be questioned because of just health and things like that and fit. Like uh, Andrew Wiggins on that team, I'm questioning any team with Andrew Wiggins. Like if you're the Blazers, why not? take this shot like you've got Lillard who is a clear game changer you've got McCollum who is very good you know why not take this shot with Covington yeah the Rockets probably them? aren't going to be the, what's that why not why not them why not now Jeremy right <laughs> that's, what, that's what you say no I'm with you like the the Rockets are going to fall off especially if they trade Harden and Westbrook even if they don't I don't know what that dynamic's going to be they got Trevor Ariza back he was a big uh reason they went to the conference finals a few years ago but do you not? Did you not take that trade as it sort of being like a? That felt like a prelude to me. I mean, oh, it it was one hundred percent a prelude. But again, like, mm-hmm. how are you trading these guys? The the Rockets would be very stupid to trade Harden for like, let's get the Nets, Dinwiddie, Allen, Karis Levert, and two first round picks. Let's just become the Nets in the West. Like, what what does that accomplish? What is the Nets pick situation? They're know? good. They they have they have uh, the majority of their picks, I believe, from what I saw. I mean, it really feels like Durant is going to just be like every single pick. Yeah. <laughs> we could possibly because like look at the coaching situation, right? Like Atkinson did a really good job with that young group they had with Russell and such, and it's like that didn't mean nothing when KD got there, right? It was just no. like I don't want him here. He's not here. So I would be uh, at this point, I'd almost be surprised if the Harden thing doesn't happen. But, like, I agree with you. I mean, Westbrook is 100% going to the Hornets. Like, you can – this is going to be an incredible scene next that's, year. That's that's the other thing is, like, if you're trading Westbrook, you've just got to accept you're not getting equal value for him. So, like, if you're trading Harden, you've got to hold out and get as much value as mm-hmm. you can on that. Otherwise, you may as well just keep Harden and Westbrook. Try your best to – make the best out of it, be competitive in the West and go from there. But you can't trade Harden for nickels and dimes when you're already almost almost resigned to trading Westbrook for pennies. Yes. I mean, but is it fair to say you're pumped to see the the uh, Westbrook Nick Batum one-two <laughs> punch next year? I think, Batum, I think Batum's got to be part of the trade just to make the money work. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> There's always the best, like, woge bombs with notifications is the one where it's like, of course this player accepted his option. Like, yeah. it's the best, the best one. You're like, oh, notification. Oh, Nick Man, I'm shocked his- DeMar DeRozan wants $25 million a year instead of being signed for, like, 15 Yes. That's, he's a, such a strange one. Anyway, we're going off. But apparently we, re- we reviewed a film here today, right? Yes. We did that. I don't it think was we reviewed the film. We just did an interview. We didn't have a lot to say about the film, did we? No. I don't feel like there's a version of this show where we talk about the film and have a great time. Like it, you know, I think Cody's experience laid it out pretty well. So next week, the big star, the biggest star, Jack Crosby, I'm putting him over strong here. 
Check. I don't know why I'm doing this, but you have to deliver, okay? We'll be doing that, and then this Friday we're streaming, Jeremy. I'm I'm doing the outro now. This Friday we're streaming BP Dub. We have to reset, but okay. We have to reset after the live layers, peak layers, (laughs) um, pay per view event. Yes, Thursday we'll be talking about the filth decision to remove Randall Orton as the world champion. (laughs) We will be talking about Alexa Bliss becoming a deathmatch wrestler. And doing Outlaw Mud Show spots with John Morrison. We'll be talking about Eddie Kingston bullying Jim Ross during the Blade Pack match that will take place in a day. All of these things and more covered on Thursday. And we will not have a guest. I don't think so, anyway. I, I may be wrong on that. No. I, you know, I've heard a rumour that, that Ric Flair's coming on. Just a rumour. Jeremy's always used for everything out there. But I think it'll just be us two talking about those things. So, yes. That's my outro, Jeremy. That was good. That's it. That's all you need. All right, everybody. You can follow Joseph on Twitter at Joe 5 Check out the Undertaker feature on Thursday. It should be up before uh, Thursday's show. Follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Lambert 88 And I'm pretty sure that's it. We will talk to everybody later on. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.